This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is episode 40-some. I have no idea what the hell episode it is. We started to lose count. We had some shows that jumped ahead. We had some stuff that was recorded and we got, we'd get to it eventually. So I ended up confusing the hell out of myself. Zach doesn't even bother to keep track of what goes where with these shows. That's okay. You're actually better off for it. You're smarter than I am. So like I said, my name is uh, Keith. I am joined by my co-host Zach. Uh, And this is just kind of like a free for all show. We... We can talk a little bit about what went down in the national championship game since this is the first time we've recorded since that happened, even though we're almost a week out from it. Uh, we can, I mean, the Super Bowl participants are set. It's Kansas City and San Francisco. So chalk, unfortunately, I was hoping that something would go awry and you'd get some kind of upset somewhere, but not really. Uh, and then we can talk about, we had Shrine Bowl this weekend. Senior Bowl coming up. Zach loves the Senior Bowl. He can't get enough of it. I think you look forward to to the Senior Bowl more than everything else outside of the draft and maybe the Combine. Yeah, I mean, the Senior Bowl is always the most exciting week. Um, And it's always nice, too, because there's always some guys in the Senior Bowl that are kind of lesser known quantities. But it's also cool because the past couple years, bigger name guys have been coming more consistently. Um, so it's a good mix and it's a nice time to get to see guys and, you know, practice drills and stuff like that and then play on the field on, on Saturday. So um, senior bowl is always fun to watch. Let's talk about that for a second. Your boy in this draft, Justin Herbert is yep. a participant. Yeah. The, the quarterback group, I wish I could sort um, the stuff on their website a little bit better. I should make my own spreadsheet, but 
Um, the quarterback group is actually pretty good. We got Herbert on the South team along with um, Jalen Hurts and Steven Montez. Um, so Hurts and Herbert are fun to watch there. And then on the North team, it's uh, mostly Jordan Love, but it'll be interesting to see Anthony Gordon from Washington State and Shea Patterson from Michigan as well. I see some Dolphins fans on Twitter go, bringing up Gordon every so often. And it's like, eh, I, don't, I don't know about that outside thinking at, the, at this juncture. I don't know that we can afford that. What does Justin Herbert have to do? To really lock up that that top ten selection, which he could be a top ten selection anyway, for all we know. But for mm-hmm. some for someone who's had a discerning eye when it, when it comes to his play, what does he have to do ne- next weekend? The I think, actually the days leading up to next weekend. I, I think the more important stuff are the practices and days leading up to next weekend. Like you've seen what Justin Herbert can do in a game. Of course he has a big arm. He's athletic and stuff like that, but like he needs to put together a consistent week of practice. Like if he puts together a nice couple balls every, every day and then, you know, shows his legs a little bit on uh Saturday or whatever, that's all stuff that we've seen. But if it's all inconsistent still, you're still looking at the same thing and having the same questions that you had um, coming into the senior bowl. So this week, he just needs to show consistency. Do you have a feel at all for the team that is most likely to pursue him? Because, I mean, there's some oddball names. There are the, the usual players in your Chargers, Panthers, maybe. What do you think, though? Yeah, I mean, those guys definitely feel like the team's... Um, that are probably most in the mix for him. Um, I mean, some other oddball teams that might make sense. I, I think if he somehow made it to Tampa Bay, I think they'd be in the market for him. Um, I don't, I don't know if he gets in that range, but um, I think that is exactly who um, Bruce Arians will want as a quarterback. Um, plus, you, you got to bring in some sort of competition for. Um, Jameis there. So at the end of the day, I think they'd be interesting for that for for Herbert. Um I know a lot of people have put Jordan Love to Indy. Um, but again, another competition situation for uh Herbert to come into. I think at the end of the day, if he were to walk into a situation where he would be the number two out the gate and have to compete for a spot, would be a lot better than him going to a spot and potentially having the job handed to him. Um, I think Carolina is a an iffy situation if they, they dump Cam and just take a rookie quarterback and move forward. Um, I think Matt Rule and him could be interesting together, but again, I, I'd like to see Herbert compete for a job um, and see even a, a Tier 2, Tier 3 NFL quarterback and how they prepare and how they work through progressions and how they just come – to practice and put a consistent day on the board day after day. Um, I think those are the things he needs to see to progress. So um, it, Vegas doesn't feel like it, but I could be wrong. Um, but I, I think 13 and 14 for Indy and Tampa Bay could be two wild card kind of Herbert teams. He's got Raiders hair. Yeah. <laughs> it, it needs right? to be rounded off at the back a little bit, but yeah, no, he doesn't need like the Lloyd Christmas haircut that, 
Mark Davis has. But you just think about like some of the the best quarterbacks to play for the Oakland slash Los Angeles slash now Oakland now Las Vegas Raiders. Think yeah. guys like Ken, Kenny Stabler. Yep. Just the hair hair just poking out the back and whatnot. Uh okay, so let's just get into it. Championship game last Monday. Mm-hmm. Pretty much went the way I expected. I don't know about you. Um I almost feel like we were robbed because I think it would have been better to watch LSU and Ohio State go at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just had that feeling when Clemson won that game a couple of weeks ago when they beat Ohio State. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Because Clemson, some of the things that they do well, I felt weren't going to be enough against LSU. Um, what'd you think? What was your overall impression of that game? And yeah, you can talk about some of the prospects. Isaiah Simmons was the the big name jumping out there on Twitter during it, and he's going to be a name we're going to probably hear a ton about in the next couple of months. Yeah, I mean the the first half um, was great, and then Clemson just couldn't put it together in the second half um, to keep rallying. So, I mean, of course, Joe Burrow had a great game, so he kind of solidifies his status there as, as that number one pick. I don't think that should be an issue. Um, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson had great games as usual. Um, Edwards Hilaire had another really good game. Not not the sexiest game, but he, he had 150-plus all-purpose yards. Um, and then, you know, you saw good stuff out of guys like Patrick Queen. Um, Grant Delpit looked good. There was there was one or two plays where I still had some head scratching questions for Delpit. Um, Caleb Von Chason looked good, even though he didn't post a lot of stats. He was disruptive. Um, Christian Fulton, he's a guy that I've been lower on um, than most people, and I think during the national championship, he got exposed a little bit for some of his deficiencies, which we'll go into more as we kind of get down the line here. But he, he didn't have the worst game, but he didn't have the best game. Um, and I think overall, you know, LSU just played a cleaner game. So when it's all said and done, that's that's why they walked out with a win. Um, that might have been Trevor Lawrence's worst game in college football. But even then, like, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen put on the field. Um, he had some some worm burners and stuff like that, which is uncharacteristic of him. Um, he still put up 200-plus yards. Uh, completion percentage was sub-50 uh, there, or eh, sub-60. I can't do math off the top of my head here. Um, but he did. Numbers are hard. Yeah, he, he did He did use his legs again, and he got a touchdown. That, that read option was nice. Um, so... With all said and done, you know, he didn't have the worst night, but he definitely needed to have a better night to beat LSU for sure. Um, the shocker is that Travis Etienne's going back for another season. Yeah, what in the hell? I I don't know what to tell you on that one. Um, I I think he's running back one for next year, um, but I don't think running back one next year is any better than I had him as running back one this year. I know everybody's top four running backs are very jumbled. Um, I just, I don't see any benefit for him going back. Unless, again, it's a get the band back together kind of thing, but. Well, that's absolutely what it is. I I have no other. You have to figure Clemson's the favorite next year. Because I've not seen anything from Bama's program to say, like, they're, they're going to be a, a monster next year. Especially because, I mean, some of the guys are staying. But some some of their primo guys are out of there. 
two yeah. included, you know, Tua, Judy, Jedrick Wills. <clears throat> uh, even with, and we talked about this on the last show with Najee Harris staying, uh, Devontae Smith, who I think was the first guy to, to tip his hand that he was going to stay. But like Ruggs is out of there. So it's Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. I mean, they're the guys now. Yeah. In yes. there. And I mean, like, I have no I have no doubt that Alabama is going to reload in terms of what they have at the receiver position. That's all they do, it seems. But I mean, you're losing stud top head and talent. So I don't know what's what's going to happen there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, some of the guys are losing Xavier McKinney, especially. So I don't know. You have to figure I as far as I know, Clemson's the favorite forever, which kind of sucks. I mean, I love college football, but it's it's gone to a point where Clemson and Bama outside of this year with Bama are in it every year. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. You're recruiting the best kids in the country. What do you expect will happen when you recruit at that level? But I'm so tired of looking at Dabo's dumb face. Um, I'm tired of his crap. I don't know. I'm not trying to turn this into a rant or anything, but it would be cool to see literally anyone else in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's, it's tough with that. And, and that's, that's kind of the downside to college football is, you know, it's, it's much easier to put together a quote unquote super team um, because you're just recruiting whoever you want. When you're the top schools, like if you go and say, Hey, I want you on my team. Very few prospects are going to turn that down. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that's to say, not to get too far away from the point that I have, I assume that's why Travis you know, Etienne's going back. But you mentioned that he's arguably running back one this year. And of yeah. all the running backs in there, he's probably going to run the fastest. So now all you're talking about is if he comes out next year, he just has more mileage on yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, it it is what it is. I, I don't I don't think it's going to make his stock better. I don't think it's going to make his stock worse. Um, essentially, it's just stay healthy and you're fine. Um, so if he wants to go back one more year, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson's out, I think. Uh, unless yeah. I'm, yeah. Cause I mean, so Chase stays cause I think he's a underclassman. Yep. Um, Jefferson's out. Thaddeus Moss was, I thought was a surprise. Yep. Uh, entrant. Do so. you think, do you think LSU wins more than eight games next year? No, I mean, they're losing you're losing Joe Burrow like that, and they're going to lose a lot of key pieces on defense. So, I mean, that's going to be a young team next year. So, Oh, yeah. No. Well, I no. actually, eh, I don't know. The, the eight, the eight's SC, a tough one. Eight, eight and a half. If you set a line at eight, eight and a half, I think that's the toughest call for, for LSU. Only because the SEC West is such a beast. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure. But um, part of that is... Well, I mean, a huge part of it, Joe Burrow, and we mentioned this off air, but a lot of Dolphins fans seem to think like we're actually going to trade up for that guy. I mean, the Bengals aren't trading out of that pick. No. They're just not. So, no, but, no, I mean, it's just a conversation that's not even worth having. You could offer them all your first round picks and probably like $500 million in stadium renovations, and they'd probably still turn it down. Yeah. I mean, they're they're no. locked in. But, like he's not a perfect right he's an awesome prospect but there's things i see in his game where i'm like man you got to do something about this at the next level and i talked about this i messaged pretty much everyone about this monday night he is so cavalier running in the open field he's got to be careful 
Because he, I mean, he kind of reminds me of early Tannehill running the ball. Yes, where you're just like, man, get down. Like, I mean, yeah. I love it. I love the fact that you want to take on that that middle linebacker. But at the next level, I can assure you that's that's just not going to work out in your favor. Yeah, and I think that's something easy enough to fix. That's not something that I would be terribly worried about, um, especially once you get that first good look. You're going to be like, yeah, that sucked. I'm not doing that again. Did you think it was weird when they asked him where he wanted to play and he said, whoever pays me? No, because that's what I say going to work every day. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like no, I, I, mean, I, I like I, pre- I appreciated the candor in there, but I thought I thought it was interesting when he came out and said that because usually like you'll get a PC answer from most from most guys who are going to be a, a high pick in his case, easily the number one pick in the draft. Most guys are like, oh, you know, it's just be an honor to pay, play anywhere. And him, it, Joe Burrow is just like, nah, whoever pays me the most money. At the same time, like whoever pays him is going to be whatever team picks him. So like, that's kind of a generic answer too. It's, it's just got a little more oomph to it. Um, Very cash money. Yeah. Because I mean, any, any team would, you know, I'm not going to say any team would take him, but like, you know, he's going to get paid by somebody obviously because he's going to get picked in the top seven picks. I don't think Armstrong's really a problem with him. No. Just watching him no, put a deep I, ball, especially on Monday night. I was like, I don't know why this was ever like a main discussion point. It's it's not the only thing is that he tips his hat a little bit with a deep ball. because um, you'll you'll watch him drop that back shoulder. Um but like he he gets it out so quick and you know it's it's not gonna be enough to make it a issue or a worry of any kind. What do you think about Isaiah Simmons? Because he dominated that game early. Like the first quarter was pretty much his. Yeah, um, oh, I wish I would have pulled up that tweet of his his position um, spots throughout the season. Um, but it's pretty I much mean, everywhere. No, I mean, he's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. He, and I mean, he's going to be a guy that a team's going to take. And I'm not scared about his production and his ability at the next level. I'm scared to death that the NFL is going to ruin him and fuck up and just not know what to do with him. Okay. So like even when, even when we've talked about like should the Dolphins take him at five, God forbid a Tua situation isn't available, like hell yeah, he's awesome. Like he can play anywhere, he can do anything. He he would come in and definitely fill the gap and pain left by uh, Minka leaving for the trade there. Um, but like again the NFL scares me to death with not being able to like come through with fun players and use them in a variety of ways. There's some people are just so stuck on one mindset. You don't think Brian Flores could make it work? I, I have more confidence in a guy like Brian Flores. Um, but it, again, it just, it's not necessarily individual folks. It's just the NFL track record of just fucking those things up. Man, we're broken as Dolphins fans too. Mainly because it's hard to trust coaches when you're a fan of this yeah. team. And I was saying about this the other day, if Brian Flores gets us to an AFC championship game, does that mean he's pretty much the second best head coach in the history of this team? I think, yeah. Because <sighs> yeah. I mean, like, what Juan said didn't really do anything. Jimmy Johnson, all he did was... Mm-hmm handcuff Dan Marino and then in his swan song lose 62 to 7 to the Jags lose a bunch of wild card games 
you know, man, he, he was the guy who beat the Bills in the playoffs, but I mean, that was pretty much the, the death rattle when that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not going to take much to, to be like that number two guy, but I think that's why Dolphins fans are so damaged when it comes to a lot of stuff like this. It's hard to trust this team. And I mean, they just routinely yeah. get it wrong. Yeah. So, and again, that's, Going back to Simmons, that's that's the thing, you know. And, and I mean, the, again, the thing that scares me is they were trying to situate Minka into a one strong safety role, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw how that went. And so, like, and, and I, I get the thought process behind that is, like, let's learn one thing at a time. Um, and what we need at the moment is a strong safety because, you know, they were thinking they were going to play Bobby um, as that free safety, which I don't think worked at all this year, even when he was, was healthy. Big fan of it. Um, yeah. So like, but like when they were trying to do that, that's the kind of stuff that scares me about bringing in Isaiah Simmons. I think he's stupid athletic enough that he'll make plays regardless. Um, but like, is it going to hinder what he could fully be? Do you think the um the two of us has subsided at all be- to the point where we don't have to worry about people going nuts with these these trade possibilities? Because I see that now Detroit's starting to float stuff. T- Detroit's obviously going to want to trade down from three to five, especially if you can pick up the kind of haul that the Dolphins possess. That's a no-brainer. Any football team worth their salt yeah. would try that. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just think it's not worth thinking about until it happens and then we can analyze whatever it ends up being. Um, Cause I mean, the conversations that we've kind of had are you give up five and 26 and that's it. And two first round picks and that's it for, for potentially your franchise quarterback is not right. a bad sell at all. Um, and it's exactly what this team is trying to position themselves to be able to do. Um, so, I mean, and then there's, I've seen people that have talked about, you know, well, the Dolphins shouldn't have to give up any of their first round picks because five is more valuable than anybody else with two first round picks. 
So give up five and two seconds or something like that. We're like, I'd rather just give up the two first than the stuff like the Jets have done in the past when they move from six to three. Um, again, I, and at the end of the day, none of us know nothing about anything. So until we get the news over the wire that, you know, a team is traded to three and we can see what the compensation is, I just don't think it's worth the conversation because we've, we all had that conversation real quick when Tua declared. Um, so why beat that horse into the ground at that point? You know, move on to other things. You know, one thing we've started talking about more is 18 and, and 26 or whatever. Um, those have become the more intriguing picks, to be quite honest, because as of right now, five is Tua. And that's, that's what it's going to be until that move is made. I'm interested to see what happens. I just haven't seen a lot of chatter about it. And you always, you know, whenever something is first on the market, like when he declared, and all of a sudden people were just like, we have to get to three right now. It's like, let the process play out. I mean, it'd be nice to secure that pick yeah. right now, but Detroit's not going to do that because they don't even have an accurate idea of the kind of value they can get at that, at that spot. Yep. I mean, like any, like any smart businessman, they're going to sit back, they're going to figure out the field, they'll go from there. And I mean, if you're Miami, you hold all the cards. You're ahead of all the other teams there. So that's number one. And you've got that. I don't want to give up 18. 26 would be great, especially because, I mean, the thing, I don't want to give up a two, especially if it's ours, because that's a high two. That's a valuable pick. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think you'll, I don't think you're going to see a move to three until what's that going to be week week two of free agency mid-march there um because i think everybody's going to want to see him go to the combine go through that medical check see what comes out of that by that point or shortly after that i'd say probably shortly before that should be his next like major checkup um and then so it because he's not going to go into the combine if it doesn't look good um he'll find an excuse to to punt on the combine um, cause he's not going to be doing drills or anything there anyway. He'd just be doing interviews. Um, and then, so I think you'll have free agency start. And I think that'll be an important piece too, because there could be some QB movement. Um, you know, Cam Newton, uh, guys potentially retiring and moving on. Um, who else is free agent wise? Drew Brees is, is staying where he's staying put or, or he's retiring. Um, Tom Brady, I guess that could be an interesting quarterback thing if they decide to move on, but they don't really have a better option to stay competitive in the moment. So I don't think Tom Brady leaves. Um, but so I think right after that, but prior to Tua's throwing session in April is when a team's going to pounce. Um, because then you, you've started to put enough medical stuff together. Um, you know, you should be at least putting enough medical stuff together to make a good guess on that um but you don't want to wait too long till two has done his throwing session looks healthy looks good and then the price mm -hmm. doubles or triples oh man and then people think that it might be actually be a it might be a thing that he'll try to get number 13 <sighs> i mean who cares if 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 he comes in and dan marino okays it you think that's that would none do of that? our business I'm fast. I'm fast. Uh, I don't know. Dan, Dan's he done has. a lot of interesting things. He has led an interesting life. I'm fascinated <laughs> by this, actually. I just wonder. 
Because I mean, like, well, I mean, if they if, if they keep Rosen, I think Rosen should stay three. Tua should wear one, and then we'll have two quarterbacks that make up thirteen. Exactly. So we should theoretically be okay. Number one, I feel like more quarterbacks should wear. I love that number on the quarterback, and you don't see it that often. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, at, and at the end of the day, who gives a shit? It's a number. Yeah, I don't know, but that's kind of like even that fascinates me. Like most of the, most stuff I see out there, I just think like ah, I don't care about that numbers. Sometimes, like th- just think about all the times we've talked about uh, how pissed off we were with Laramie Tunsil wearing sixty-seven. Yeah, that drove us nuts. Yeah, that that one that one hurt a little bit. And then uh, Gasecki wearing eighty six when like eighty eight was occupied by Leonte Carew at that point where it's like, please just be eighty eight. Yeah, a classic number for the Dolphins in terms of tight end is yep. eighty eight. So I mean, that's the number he should wear. I mean, he looks so awesome at the end of the season too. That's one thing I don't think we really talked about on this show much is the strides he made through this season like he's toward the end of the season started to look like the guy we thought we were getting out of Penn State yeah and I mean the interesting is interesting thing going back through quarterbacks and stuff for this draft is I think you know we've joked a lot about if the Dolphins drafted Herbert that you know Gasecki's production would go through the roof I think Gasecki's production could go through the roof with any of them because the more I went back and watched you see college football teams running so many slant uh to deep center concepts where you have your outside guys running slants and if that's not there to hit you're using your your tight ends that are now seam threats and your slot receivers um to clear out the back end of the field and and if you get a one-on-one situation there you know you'll hit it um so it could be interesting with Gusecki with I think almost any of these quarterbacks um that are coming in as rookies because they've all found a lot of success in those kind of schemes I'm just happy to have him at this point, especially because his now you're at a point where his upside, in my opinion, is way higher than uh, Goddard for sure. Um, I still love the guys in Baltimore, although I'd say I'd argue that his upside is probably better than theirs, too. Uh, Maybe Hayden Hurst is up there, too. Hayden Hurst has some pretty impressive physical gifts. Mark Andrews is just a beast. And I think what you see with Mark Andrews right now is what you're going to get, which is fine. Um, cause that's, that's all you're going to ask him to do is, is be a, a slot threat, um, and a consistent receiving target for, um, um, Lamar Jackson there. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go ahead and tidy things up with this show. So who are your non NFL comps? Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you my two one since we talked so much to but we'll, we'll try to do another show out of this where we'll comp non-NFL athletes to NFL players. So I was I was on a long drive today, so I was thinking about it and, and I was thinking about Tua and um and I was also thinking about my my Dortmund guys for soccer and he reminds me a lot of Marco Royce because Marco Royce has, has been the team captain for ever ever since Hummels left for um Bayern and he took over as the legit full-time captain. He's the captain. He's always the leader. He's a guy that's a distributor. He's not afraid to to pull off going for goal to set somebody else up to put the team ahead, you know, but at the same time, he's a threat to score himself. Um, and he's very like, 
quick twitch about the decisions that he makes and with the way he does it. Um, so that was that was my Tua comp was Marco Royce. I'm sure we can do a bunch of different ones for Tua, but um, I was thinking about my Dortmund guys too, which made sense. Did you see the the Puma uh, pack that came out? I think it was this weekend, and it's Dortmund inspired, so it's got their colors. What? I did not. I'm Googling it now. I saw it this morning. Which is funny because it, I think I saw it right after you messaged me about the Tua thing, but you went, you wouldn't you wouldn't tell me the comp. You're looking at him, right? Uh, where I can't find this. The Puma one looks looks great. the The Puma net fit is a bit much, and I'm into garish things. Like I, when things are a little bit loud, that doesn't bother me. But these are some serious holy shit. Are you talking about the 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 new four point ones? Uh, the ones that are like they're like door, like they're Dorian colors for sure, but they're like yellow, yellow, yellow. I think the I think it's five point one. I'll send it to you after the show. Oh man, uh, but but the four point ones are crazy too. They are, they are for sure. Um, and then you had one for Jerry Judy too. Yeah, so my Jerry Judy one, and we'll get I guess we'll get the Bama guys out of the way. We can do other people that are not Bama centric. Um, is another soccer comp and. I was thinking about Jerry Judy and the way that he's another kind of quick twitch in a different sense of his movement and like his footwork is so good um, and he'll he'll just slice you up and cut you up. And I the first person I thought about was Rose Lavelle from the women's national team because she had some nutmegs during the World Cup that were disgustingly good. Um, and I thought about Tobin Heath too because she's kind of in that same – uh, realm, but Rose Lavelle's taken over a little bit from for Tobin Heath, so um, I thought that was a good one for Jerry Judy. I like it. We can continue to do this through the um, pre, I guess pre-draft season, what you'd call it. Uh, before we go, did you see how many times J- Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball tonight? Uh, I did not see any football for for today. So please inform me if he threw it three times until halfway through the fourth quarter. I think he'd thrown it six times. And I mean, yeah. it didn't matter. I think San Francisco at one point was averaging like 15 yards per carry. I mean, like, like Rasheem Mostert just absolutely ran all over them because Tevin Coleman, uh, you could, t- they kept calling it an elbow injury, but I've busted my shoulder before. I know what it looks like. And when he did it, just his reaction to it, I was like, mm, something's up there. I hope he's okay. I would love to see him in the Super Bowl, but I don't know what his deal is going to be. But it didn't yeah. really matter tonight because Mostert, four touchdowns i have i don't know 800 yards rushing i have no idea what he finished at but um yeah jimmy g up until about halfway through the fourth quarter six uh six attempts like so was jimmy g worth that trade i'm trying to look up what they gave up for him um, i mean they gave up they gave up uh it was a second round pick wasn't it just a second i don't anything else i think it was a two uh, I mean, there might have been something attached, but I mean the 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 prime piece in there is a two. So I mean, like, uh, I I guess he's worth a two. I don't know. I think that's a little. He hasn't really done anything. He's been hurt, and half the time, half the time he he's benefited from the same crap that Tannehill's benefited from. And you want to trade Tannehill for a two? No, we traded him for a four. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure his uh, the the win loss differential when he's in the lineup as opposed to not for the Niners is staggering. 
So I mean, which is totally weird. It's almost like his presence is more valuable than his like production. I mean, it seems that way. I mean, they're that team is built on some old school principles. I mean, obviously looking at this the stat stat line for tonight. Um, but I mean, when they have used three running backs through the season, they had two guys. Tevin Coleman gets hurt. I don't know if he's going to be able to go for the Super Bowl. But I mean, like that that is a team that wants to run smash mouth offense because i mean which is strange because i mean kyle shanahan um you look what he did like in atlanta his most recent stop before taking the san francisco job and i mean he was able to focus on julio jones as jones as an x and from that he builds everything out like he he worked because i mean they had that two-headed monster running attack between tevin coleman who was in atlanta at the time and Devontae freeman and then they also had muhammad sanu Mm-hmm. So and then um, Austin Hooper was the tight end. I think Levine Toilolo was the other tight end. So I mean, like I, that's a pretty decent group going you have going there. But I mean, that team was still built on. Obviously, they wanted to throw the ball, but you were able to build a lot of things off the fact that you had Julio Jones as an X in San Francisco. It's a different. It's a different thing, which is which is why they're trading for Emmanuel Sanders. Halfway through, halfway through the season, uh, Debo Samuel looked really good tonight. Yeah, he's. He, I'm glad he's doing well. He was so much fun at South Carolina. Yeah, he lo- he just looked raw fast tonight, so that was cool. Um, and then obviously George Kittle. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. what they're the way that offense is built in terms of their pass catchers is kind of similar to what um, Kansas City has going on. Because Kansas City, you know, has the big tight end who is the the flexed out guy who just is a mismatch all the time. And then mo- all their receivers are undersized guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, if it works, poach it and use it. If you can replicate yeah. it, go for it. So it's a weird hybrid in that they they run the ball a lot. I mean, they just hammer it. And then instead of like drawing off that X from there you know, um, San Francisco for all intents and purposes just kind of draws off George Kittle's presence. Yep. I mean, so it's interesting. So it's interesting that those two teams are going to be playing each other in two weeks. So yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, that's an old school principle when you're throwing the ball halfway through the fourth, I don't know what, what he finished at. I don't know. It was like nine or 10 throws. I know he attempted at least a couple more passes after that, but I mean, when you get to that point, I don't know. But it seems that they they win with that guy under center. So I don't know. Anything else you want to add before we go ahead and uh, take this thing out back and shoot it? No, I think just keep an eye on the Senior Bowl this week. Um, this will be one of the more interesting quarterback groups in a while. Um, I'm interested to see how Jalen Hurts does as well. Um, again, Herbert and Love need a consistent week more than they need to show off the tools or anything. Um, and they'll be in good shape. Um, crazy, crazy defensive line group for more of the South team, but both teams are really stacked there too. So I think there's probably a chance the offensive line groups get murdered. Um, so we'll see how it goes. All right. And with that, thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening to us. Obviously make stuff up. We don't know what we're talking about. Uh, in the meantime, you can catch all of our old shows up online we're a part of the finsider radio podcast network several other shows in there definitely check those out 
uh we'll talk to you soon actually we'll we should probably get another senior bowl show in here i think i mean we yeah. spent so much time talking about this i don't know why we wouldn't do that so in the meantime thanks to everyone we'll talk to you soon take care Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.